Good morning. We okay this morning? Is everybody else dealing with the pollen and all of the, the stuff going on this morning? Uh, if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me. Do I, have I messed something up here? Okay. Sorry. Uh, if you would, take your Bibles and open up to 1 Kings chapter 12 as we continue talking through uh, choices and what choices uh, look like and how they affect us in our daily life. start off this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless our time. Father, I just pray that You be with us this morning. God, that You would work through Your Word so that we would be able to hear from You. God, I pray that You would use this morning to change our hearts, to change our lives. God, I pray that You would speak uh, through Your Word to us. God, that You would speak uh, through uh, Your Word to us. God, that You would change our hearts. And as You change our hearts, God, that You would use us to change the world around us. Lord, as we talk about choices and we talk about what it looks like to, to choose to follow after you, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just show us what that looks like in our own lives. And God, that we would be able to follow after you in all that we choose to do and all that we uh, do each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as I said, First Kings chapter 12 uh, is where we're going to be this morning as we continue to talk about choices. Did I, did I switch mics? Okay. But but First Kings chapter twelve, we're going to talk about a guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam inherits a mess. I, I don't know about you guys, but part of raising children is learning how to deal with those things that that kids uh, do. You know, one of the things that in my house, when I say it's time to clean up, one of the responses I know I'm going to get is that I didn't make that mess. Zoe made that mess, Dad. It wasn't my mess. And then I come to Zoe and I say, Zoe, it's time to clean up. And what will she say? wasn't me. That's Bubba's mess. He's the one who left his shoes on the floor, not me. Oh, that can't be my unicorn in the floor. Surely that's Bubba's, right? And so no one wants to clean up somebody else's mess. And if we're all honest, we've been there ourselves, right? If you're walking along and you see something that you know needs to be picked up, you're like, eh, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see that, and I'm going to keep walking. Or am I the, I guess I'm the only one who's done that, right? I can tell that all of you are lying in church on Sunday. That's okay. But we, we do, right? We, we don't like to clean up other people's messes. We only want to clean up the stuff that's our fault. And, and the same thing is true in our own lives. As we come across messes that we didn't create, messes that aren't our fault, we very often will say, well, you know, they got in that mess on their own. It's really not my job to help them out of it. You know, they're the one who made that choice. It's really not my job to help them through this. You know, I, I didn't cause this, therefore I shouldn't be held responsible to help fix it. And so we find these messes not in just in our own life, but in other people's lives. And, and we, we want to sort of uh, just overlook them and pretend like we don't see them. But the truth is, is that we all find messes, not even in other people's lives, in our own lives that other people have caused. And we walk up and we find ourselves at a crossroad. And we say, where do I go from here? What choices do I, what choice do I need to make? How can I uh, move on from here? And so we come to this guy named Rehoboam in 1 Kings chapter 12 who had inherited a mess. He had inherited a problem. He had inherited a series of problems that were absolutely not his fault. And so if you would look at verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard of it, for he was still in Egypt when he, where he had fled from King Solomon, 
Then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke upon us, and we will serve you. In verse 5 he says, And he said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. And so we start here this morning with Rehoboam's mess. He, he's getting ready to be king, but he has an opponent to his throne. He has an opponent, someone else, who, who says, um, I, I think I ought to be king. See, Solomon, Rehoboam's dad, was a great king, one of the wisest people to ever live, one of the greatest kings Israel ever saw. But Solomon had a problem. In fact, he had the same problem that Samson had. He sort of liked the ladies. In fact, he liked a lot of ladies, like 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a lot of ladies, right? Well, so Solomon likes the ladies, and these ladies had led his heart away from the Lord. They, he had allowed them to steal his heart from the Lord so that Solomon had begun to worship other gods. He'd begun to worship false gods. In fact, he had gone so far down this path that he had built idols. He had built temples for people to go worship false gods in. And God said, Solomon... At first he came and he said, Solomon, you need to stop doing this. Solomon didn't listen. So he came again and he said, Solomon, because your dad was David, I won't take the kingdom from you. But because of what you did, I'm going to take the kingdom from your son. He won't reign over all of Israel. In fact, I'm going to set up another king. This other king was a guy named Jeroboam. He ran away and he hid in Egypt until Solomon died because Solomon was going to kill him. But... But up to this point, he's been hiding in Egypt, and then he hears Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is about to be inaugurated. He's about to be made king over all Israel. So he heads on home. He drives all night, basically, from Egypt. He comes up, and he gets all the people gathered who are about to make Rehoboam king. He says, no, listen, guys, we don't have to stand for this anymore. We, I, I'll, I'll be our king. I'll be our spokesman. Let's go and talk to Rehoboam. Let's get organized and complain to him. And so he does. So Rehoboam's first day, before it's even his first day on the job, he has to deal with the fact that this other guy is saying, no, um, you need to change some things. But the issue is that the people actually have a point. When they say, would you loosen the, the yoke upon us? Would you lighten the load upon us? Solomon, Rehoboam's dad, had built this huge government. In fact, Solomon had so much money, he had so much money, and he had so many people sitting around his table, so much government that this queen from Sheba comes up, and when she sees all the money that Solomon has, the Bible says it took her breath away. She couldn't believe how much money Solomon had. She couldn't believe how much it cost just to feed the people that were in his government. And so, so Solomon had built this huge uh, government. He built this huge nation, and he had built this huge army, which he drafted the people of Israel into. Not only that, he made them work, their, work his farms, he made them work uh, his fields, and he built houses for all of his wives, 700 of them. Well, if you're a queen, are you going to clean your own house? No. Guess who's going to do it for you? Or at least pay to have it done for you? Not Solomon, he's king. The people of Israel. And so Solomon had, had basically amassed this huge bill, this huge bill every month. Well, who pays the bill? The people of Israel. Uh, the Bible tells us that Solomon didn't even have any utensils in his house that weren't made out of gold. Like he is living high, right? I mean, he is living good. He's living it up. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us that Solomon, he did all that he could to indulge himself. He did not resist any desire he had. He said no to nothing. 
Well, who pays for all of this? The people of Israel. And so while he's out trying to find himself, the people of Israel are getting sick of all the taxes. And so Rehoboam's first day on the job is either take off some of the load or you're about to have a problem. Either reduce the tax bill, either reduce the amount of effort you're asking from us for all of these building projects or you're going to have an issue. And if you do reduce it, well, then he's got to figure out how to pay for everything that he has going on. So he's really faced with a hard choice, a choice that he didn't create, a mess he didn't make. And in fact, not only had Solomon made the mess, the people had made the mess. They are the ones who asked for a king in the first place. And you know what God told them when he had, they asked for a king? If you, if you were to look at First Samuel chapter 8, God said this. He said, now if you get a king, you know what he's going to do? He's going to put your sons in his army. He's going to take your daughters and put them in his house to cook for him. He's going to take your sons and make them plow his fields. In fact, he's going to take your field and then make your son plow it for him. He's going to tax you beyond belief. Are you sure you want a king? And the people were like, yeah, we want a king. And so they got what they asked for. Solomon did all of this and more. And he even pushed it even further than that. And so the people got what they asked for. Solomon had created this problem and Rehoboam inherits the mess. You guys been there? Your kids make messes. Your parents make messes. Your coworkers make messes. Your nation makes a mess. Your church family makes a mess. Your church leaders make a mess. Your friends make a mess. Your spouse makes a mess. Um, you know, depending on who your spouse is. I don't make messes. But anyway, so, so you, what, what do you do when you come to these situations in your life where figuratively, not literally, people have made messes that you are expected to clean up. How, where do you go from here? So Solomon's faced with this question, and, and what he does in verse 5 here is that says that he says, give me a few days to think about it. I don't want to answer you right away. This is really wise, isn't it? Like if you're faced with a, a life-changing choice, do you want to respond right away? No, and he says, give me a few minutes, let me think about it. As James says, be, slow, be quick to hear and slow to speak. That's good advice, isn't it? Like I, I know I've never left a, a heated situation or a situation where I had to make a big choice where I went home saying, man, you know, I, I'm so glad I said everything that came to my mind. Have you all? You go home saying, man, I really shouldn't have said that or that. It's much better to go home saying, oh, I should have told them this, this, and this than actually going home saying, oh yeah, I'm glad I told them this, this, and this. That always leads to regret. Take some moments and think about it. Think, take some moments and try and figure it out before you begin to speak. And so he, he, he does. He takes three days and he thinks on it. And during these three days, <clears throat> he seeks advice. Another great thing to do. Don't make the decision on your own. And so we come to verse 6 of chapter 12 here in 1 Kings 12, 6. He says, Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this, this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. And so he starts with the guys he should start with. The first group, this group of folks is full of wisdom. These are the ones who served under Solomon. They are older. They've been around for a while. 
They knew the lay of the land. They knew how these people thought. They had been helping Solomon rule over them for like 40 years. They had some experience. Not to mention the fact they worked alongside the wisest man to ever walk the planet. They learned from the wisest man to ever walk the planet. Solomon trusted their advice. They, he, they were his trusted advisors. If you're going to go to someone, go to someone who's been there, done it, right? Not to someone who's talking about doing it. Someone who's actually done it. And so they give him advice. They say, hey, listen, give them what they want. If you go out there and you serve these people, you know what's going to happen? If you serve them on this day, they will serve you every day from here on. Go out there and humble yourself. Delight your gratification, Rehoboam. Go out there and be a humble servant. Same thing the Lord Jesus tells us, right? Serve those around us. He who wants to be great among you, let him be servant of all. Be a humble servant. Great advice. Guys, if you live your life this way, people will respect you. They'll listen to what you have to say. They'll see you as somebody who, you, who they can depend on. I, I mean, you think about it. Which, which businesses do you frequent? Do you business the frequent, uh, frequent the businesses that uh, try to milk every last penny out of you? Or the ones that actually make you feel like you matter to them? Right? The, the ones that make you feel like they're actually serving you. So he said, they say to Rehoboam, go out there and serve these people. Go out there and be a humble leader. Exhibit humility like David had done. Don't do what Solomon did and try and you know, get more money out of them. No, go out there and, and serve them. It, it may delay your gratification. You may not look like the biggest uh, you know, shot around, but you'll actually be able to lead these people. Think about the future. Don't just think about today. But then we look at verse 8. See, cause the truth is, is there's more than just asking for advice and getting good advice. In verse 8, Rehoboam, it, but he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So just getting good advice isn't the whole deal, right? You actually have to follow that good advice. But what Rehoboam does is he follows the example that many of us follow, which is, if at first you don't get the answer you want, ask and ask again, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You go to somebody and you're like, what should I do about this? And they tell you the answer. You know it sounds right, but you're like, I don't really want to do that. Um, so I'm going to go find somebody else who will give me the answer I want. Again, maybe I'm the only one who did that from y'all's faces. I, I can tell. I'm the only one who ever has these issues. But, but no, he goes and, and he says, hey guys that are my age that I grew up with, what do you think I should do? And so rather than listening to the generation that was older than him, that knew what was up, that had been around, he goes and he finds people his age. By the way, Rehoboam was 40 at this point. So these guys would have been about 40 years old. These people who had been raised with him. I, by, by the way, it's good to listen to people that have been down the road a little bit. I think I've shared with you several occasions how many times my dad has said, I told you so. Um, over the years, I remember when I was a, uh, younger, I wanted a, a, a ZR2 Blazer. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Test drove one. It was not in the best of shape. Dad's like, this is a piece of trash. You're going to be working on it all the time. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, Dad. You're old. You just don't understand. It's mine. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm not going to listen. Yeah, it, it gave me troubles until the day I sold it, right? I told you so, son. When we don't listen to people who know what they're talking about, we get ourselves in a mess. And that's exactly what happens with Rehoboam. He finds himself in a mess because of the fact that he listened not to the people who knew what they were talking about, 
but to the people who were his age, who had the same level of life experience as he did. And so we read in verse 9, this is their advice to him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we, we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke of, that your father put on us. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So in other words, double down and show them who's boss around here. It's our turn now, it's our turn to rule, and we're going to get what's coming to us. And we're going to show them. You notice, though, is that the, the people, the young men who had grown up with Rehoboam, who would have been raised with Rehoboam, I wonder? Solomon had 700 wives. Who are Rehoboam's uh, partners? Who are his buddies? Who are his boys? Well, they would have been the other princes of Israel. The guys who'd never worked a day in their life. The guys who had been spoon-fed their whole life. The other royalty of Israel. The, the, the boys who were not born with silver spoons, but golden spoons in their mouth. And he says, guys, what should I do about this people who says they're working too hard? Think about it. What do they have to lose if Rehoboam cuts back on their taxes? If he cuts back on the sizes of their government? They may lose their job. They may lose their country club membership. Who knows what they may have to give up. They may have to sell one of their cars or one of their houses. They didn't really have cars, but you get the idea, right? I mean, they, they would have had to downsize. They would have had to figure out how to make it on less money. And so they, he goes to these people who have an interest in what he does here. Can, can I just give you a word of advice? When you're looking for advice, check the people's motives that you're going to. Like, look for a disinterested third party, if you would. Like, if you're having relationship advice, you know who you don't want to go to? Your parents. They're not going to be straight up with you. They're going to take your side. Don't go to your boys and be like, hey, listen, I got this going on. They're going to take your side. Don't go to your girlfriends. What are they going to do? They're going to take your side. Go to a neutral party and say, hey, what's going on here? Somebody who can have uh, advice without bias. Somebody who can give you wisdom, who has experience, who also is not afraid to hurt your feelings. Someone who's not afraid to say, hey, listen, you're wrong. And you know you're wrong. That's why I'm like the fifth person you've asked for the advice because nobody's telling you what you want to hear yet. Go to someone who's going to listen and then, act, I mean, go, someone who's going to give you good advice and then actually listen to them. Guys, if we have people in our life like these, these old, old men that the Bible talks about here in Rehoboam's life, we are blessed people. People who have wisdom and aren't afraid to share it. That's good advice. But Rehoboam doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to what these people who knew what they were talking about told him. No, he goes out and he shows everyone that he is not humble. He goes out and shows everyone that he is not wise. That he won't listen. He shows them how tough he is. He demands their respect. And so we come to verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. 
But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was the taskmaster, over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Rehoboam chose the easy path, the path that he thought would cost him, cost him the least. And now we see the aftermath. Israel is split in two. I mean, he, they basically say to him, well, we have no inheritance in David. Like, we get nothing out of this arrangement, so we're done. Y'all figure out a way to deal with it without us. Like, peace out, we're, we're gone. You rich boys of David, you David's boys, y'all defend, defend for yourself from now on. In fact, Israel to your tents, which was basically a battle cry. We're ready to fight, if that's what it takes. And so they go and they gather and Rehoboam, he, he's so arrogant, he's so prideful. He goes ahead and sends the tax collector, the guy that was supposed to get everybody in line and work. He goes ahead and sends them out. He's like, hey, you go make them get in, get in line. Isn't that what a good leader does, right? Rather than dealing with it himself, he's like, that's somebody else's responsibility. It's not mine. Adore him, you go take care of this. And they pull out rocks and they, they throw rocks at him until they kill him. It's really good to work for a guy like Rehoboam, isn't it? And so uh, he wants to show how tough he is, and what ends up happening is he actually looks like a fool and a coward because he runs away scared. He was worried about losing money, so he loses about 80% of his income. It's, uh, so so you, you see what Rehoboam ends up doing. He ends up losing all the people's respect. He was demanding that they respect him, and he lost it all. He learned the lesson the hard way that it takes a while for us to learn, which is respect is not commanded. It is earned. Like, we can't command people to respect us. We can only earn the respect, even if we're the king. Rehoboam's choice to not listen to wise counsel cost him everything because he was unwilling to, to take it slowly and learn the people and figure out a way to earn the respect. He learned what we, we tend to say pretty regular, which is, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but it burnt in one. See, it's much easier to tear things up than it is to build them, isn't it? Just play, just build Legos with my son. It takes you 20 minutes to build a house, five seconds to tear it apart, right? That's his favorite part. Mine too, tearing it down after it's over, right? But the same thing happens in our life, doesn't it? When we're not careful, when we don't take our time, we end up making a mess of everything. It's so much easier to put something on credit than it is to save up. It's so much quicker to tell someone how awesome you are than to prove it through your actions. It's so much easier and quicker to just pretend like issues aren't there than actually deal with them. It's so much easier to take the shortcut than it is to actually work things out. And so, so my question for you this morning as you sit there and you think through the mess you're in is, what choice are you going to make? Are, are you going to seek advice and are you actually going to listen to that advice? You know, it's interesting that uh, right after Rehoboam is basically removed from power in the northern kingdom that they set up idolatry. They set up these altars uh, to worship these false gods because Jeroboam, the new king of uh, the northern ten tribes, doesn't want his, his people going down to Jerusalem because then, you know, Judah would eventually gain control again. And so he sets up a false god and a false... Uh, worship system well as they're building these altars a prophet comes along and he says hey i just want to let you know 
that one day there will be a king over Judah that will destroy these altars and he will kill the priests that serve at them and he will spread their ashes over them. Do you guys remember the king that we started off talking about a couple weeks ago? King Josiah? King Josiah is the one who actually comes along and he cleans up the mess that Rehoboam created. See, King Josiah, he didn't inherit a group of mad people. He inherited basically one or two cities. He didn't inherit a kingdom that he needed to figure out how to fix. He inherited a group of folks that were broke and completely uh, scattered. But he was able to unite them. He was able to unite pretty much the entire nation to fund the restoration of the temple. In fact, during his reign, it looks like most of Israel supported him. So what's the difference between these two men? Well, Rehoboam, at the age of 40, acted like a teenager. And Josiah, at the age of 16, acted like a 40-year-old. Here's, here's what the Bible says about these two men. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, this is what the Bible says about Rehoboam. And he did evil, for he did not set, or he did not establish his heart to seek the Lord. In other words, he never chose to follow the Lord. Early on, anyway. And then we read about Josiah in Second Chronicles 34, 2 and 3. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn, turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the earlier year of his reign, in the, in, for in the either year of his reign, while he was still a, a boy, he began to seek the God of his father, uh, God of David his father. So while he was still a boy, he chose to follow after the Lord, where Roboam never did. Because you don't accidentally follow the Lord. You don't accidentally make good choices. You actually have to set your heart. You actually have to establish it in your heart, I'm going to follow the Lord and not follow the world. You have to actually set it in your heart, I'm going to seek out godly counsel, and then I'm actually going to listen. This doesn't just happen. This isn't, there's no shortcut. It actually takes day after day after day of making choices based on what God says, not on what we want to do. Now, let me me finish with this. At some point in our life, we've all been Rehoboam, haven't we? Like as we look at this passage and we look at the way that he responds, not in wisdom, not in love, but in anger and in pride and showing off his ego, we can look at that and say, oh wow, yeah, that's me. I've done that. I've chosen rather than to take the, the, the long way, I've chosen to take the shortcut when I was faced with the mess. I responded not with what God would have me to do, but with what I wanted to do. So what do we do? How, how, do, we, how do we fix it? Well, we were reminded that there's always grace for us. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 6, God tells them that the reason that you're in this mess is because you've turned away from me. And so he says... Then the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. Then in verse 12, after he had humbled himself, it said, When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him. We see this every single week. Rehoboam, later on in his life, God says, Rehoboam, the reason why you're in this mess is because you refused to follow me. You never chose to follow me. And when he's faced with this, he says, Oh, I'm sorry, and he repents. And he falls before the Lord and he finds grace. Guys, I don't know how you've responded to the messes in your life, but my bet is that there have been a few that you didn't respond well to. And you're sitting there this morning saying, how do I move on? What do I do now? We respond with, Lord, I've messed up. I didn't choose rightly. 
give me grace, give me mercy, give me forgiveness. You, you see, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect King, He came and He didn't say, oh, there's a mess, I hope somebody else cleans it up. No, He came and He cleaned up our mess. He died on the cross for our sins, our crimes, not for His own. He didn't have to clean up our mess, but He chose to. And, and as he, after He died on the cross, He rose again. And He says, if you'll follow Me, if you'll believe on Me, your forgiveness is yours. If you'll simply trust on me. I wonder this morning if you've ever put your faith in him. If you've ever asked him to forgive you of your sins and to clean up the mess that is in your heart. Whatever your situation is this morning, would you respond to him by asking him for grace and for mercy? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, all that you do in your word. God, I do pray that you would just guide us and direct us this morning. God, that you would uh, speak into our hearts through your word. God, that you would show us uh, what it is that you've called us to. And God, if there's any here who, who don't know you, who are going through a hard time, God, I pray that you'd show them through your word what it is that they've been called to do. Lord, I pray that you would uh, direct their path and that we would be able to follow after you in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with us and as we stand, would you come?